27. That's going to be Luke 10, verses 25 and 37, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And on John chapter 5, 1 through 9, healing at the pool of Bethesda. Amen. Those that are writing, follow, following along. The second one was John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And I begin by saying, how many of us have lived a life of the need of something supernatural? Amen. How many of us have lived a life with failed expectations? Amen. How many of us have struggled feeling that no one ever understand our situation. We all have something going on, correct? We all, all of us have something going on. Thank you. You can hear me better now, right? I don't think my voice is really that deep, but I kind of like it. Amen. La unción está aquí. How many of us have lived a life of the need of something supernatural? How many of us have lived a life with failed expectations? How many of us have struggled feeling that no one would ever understand our situation? We all have something going on, correct? But my struggle is mine. The hurt that I feel is mine. The sickness that I carry is mine. The troubles that I'm facing is mine. And I can't see beyond the measurements to acknowledge that help is being given to me because all I see is my pain, my hurt, my weaknesses, and my sins in front of me. But if I have one more cry left in me, it would be, do not pass me by. My cry would be for my Savior not to pass me by. There's a story in the book of Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, that talks about what to do to inherit eternal life. This question was made by the experts of the law to Jesus. In response, Jesus shares with them the story of the good Samaritan. It reads, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite when he came to see the place he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So for a quick description, there was a man that was coming from one place to another and he got robbed, he got stripped and he got pushed to the side. 
But now here comes a priest that was walking on the same road, sees the man in the condition that he's in, and walks on the other side and walks right by him. Then after that, a Levite comes and sees the same man in the same condition that he was in and does the same exact thing. He sees him and crosses the road and walks right by him. Are we following? Amen. It says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii's, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What I want you to focus here is in the condition that this man was in. This man was traveling, like I just said, from one destination to another. We don't know the reason why he was leaving from Jerusalem to Jericho. We don't know if he left with expectations to better himself. You see, many times we try to leave things behind in our lives thinking that the result to the outcome will be better once we leave. But during the journey of expectations, we get robbed. Is there anybody in the building that ever felt robbed? This is a point of where you are now under attack. Your natural instincts are to defend yourself and the possession you hold. The story then states that these robbers stripped this man from his clothes. This can only mean that he was left fully naked or with his undergarments at the very least. He was in a vulnerable situation. To know that the result of this journey will end up with his life being under the hands by men with no mercy. He was beaten and he had no clothes. You see, he was weak and he had no clothes. This man was stripped and robbed from any expectations that he might have had. People of God try to understand that the condition of this man was described as half dead. That's how the Bible describes it. The story, the parable that Jesus was given to the experts of the law. He was half dead. If there was any cry left in him, any hope that he may have had, I think it would be for someone to come at his rescue. A priest happened to be going down the same road, verse 31. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he had come to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Can anyone feel as though they can relate to this man in need? That although you have tried it all, you have given it your all, you seem to feel alone with all your emotions running wild. And everyone just keeps on passing by. Now that you have decided it's time to make moves. You have decided it's time to, to move to better my household. It's time to move to better your spiritual life. It's time to move to better your 
prayer life. It's time to move to better your marriage, to move with expectations. Here comes something or someone that is trying to rob you and strip you and beat you to the point that you are now half dead. And to top it off, to top everything off, if there's any sight in you left, while you're in that condition, beat up. If you can see one thing, you now see people that see you in the condition that you're in. And with the hope that your rescue has arrived, you now see them cross to the other side and pass you by. How is it possible for us to live in a place where love isn't found? Where should my help come from? This story doesn't indicate the length of time of this man being half dead. But it does tell us that not only one person, but two people seen him and left him when they knew that he clearly needed help. One being a priest and the other being a Levite. But thank God that one was to come that wasn't going to pass by him. One that had a compassionate heart, a helping hand, and unlimited concern. He gave up personal comfort, physical energy, and valuable time. It reads, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense you may have. People of God, I am here to tell you, you may have gotten to a place in your life where you feel robbed. You may have gotten to a place in your life where you feel stripped. You may have gotten to a place in your life where you feel naked and ashamed. You feel pain, hurt, and wounded. You may have gotten to a place in life that you feel half dead. But I'm here to tell you that no matter how many people you see pass on by, Jesus will never leave you in the condition you are in. Take hold and exceed your expectations. As one preacher explained it, the robbers beat him up. The priest and Levite passed by him, but the Samaritan picked him up. The thief said, what is yours is mine. I'll take it. The priest and the Levite reasoned, what's mine is mine. I'll keep it. But the Samaritan said, what's mine is yours. We will share it. Stay focused. Exceed your expectations. How the years go by, days and night, night and days, days turn to months and months into years and people in the same condition. Holidays and birthdays, celebration and graduations and people in the same condition. Sunday services and midweek Bible sections and people in the same condition singing praises 
and worshiping God and people in the same condition. Deliverance taking place with chains being broken and people in the same condition. Where shall my help come from? How is that possible? How is that possible? How is that possible? So, 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 so much time lost. I've lost so much time. I've lost so much time. I've lost it. Time. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And I'm still in the same position. I'm still in the same condition. I'm stagnant. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm half dead. I'm half dead. I'm half dead. I'm in the same condition. How the years go by. Days and nights, nights and days, days turn to months in a blink of an eye, months into years, and people in the same condition. Holidays and birthdays, celebrations and graduations, and people in the same condition. Sunday services and midweek Bible sessions, and people in the same condition, singing praises and worshiping God, and people in the same condition, deliverance taking place with chains being broken, and people in the Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind heart withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whatsoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case and sat unto him. Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another step down before me. NIV says, here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been impotent for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the impotent replied, 
I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So the reason why I brought you two different ones is because I want you to acknowledge the fact that the King James Version is going to talk about the angel, but another version of the Bible is not going to talk about the angel, okay? So in that King James Version, in, in, in verse 4, it says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whatsoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped into the water was made whole from whatever disease he had. But I like the NIV version because it kind of describes that there was disabled people and there was people that were uh, that was blind and there was people that were lame. Okay, so I want I want to state all of that in one bunch. There's no other way to see this but what it is. Let's state the obvious here. Bethesda is defined as house of mercy. There was a man that was impotent, meaning unable to take effective action, helpless or powerless. He was in the condition, in this condition, for 38 years. But we must acknowledge the fact that he was not only the only person that needed healing. He was surrounded by people that were powerless and hopeless as well. Aside from their disabilities, they all had something in common. And that was the expectation of that a deliverance was going to take place, that a healing was going to take place, that a miracle was going to take place. Expectations that although I can't see when the angel comes down from the heavens to trouble the waters, that I will hear the splashing of the water and the outcry of the people, and I will exceed my expectations to provoke the healing, the deliverance, the breakthrough that I need in my life. I wasn't talking about him. I was talking about another disabled person. The disabled person that I was talking about there was blind. So a blind man, we're talking about this man that was paralyzed for 38 years versus somebody else that was blind versus somebody else that was suffering from a disease versus somebody else that was suffering. They were suffering. They were all under one location. It was called the house of mercy. Why were they there? They were there because the news got out. Yes. There's an angel that descends from the heavens, and guess what? It comes and it troubles the water. It troubles the water. And the first one that jumps in the water will receive their healing. You won't be in that condition anymore. So what's the outcome? The outcome is that we're all in the same condition. We're all in the house of mercy. We're all in the in, in the same condition. So, so when you imagine this, I said expectations that although I can't see when the angel comes, that's a blind man. Or blind woman. We don't know. Expectations that although I can't see when the angels come down from the heavens to trouble the waters, what they do is they use their other senses that I will hear the splashing of the water and the outcry of the people. And when I hear people say, oh,
why you don't know how important it is for you to praise God. Amen. Because I might be in a condition that I can't praise Him. That's true. I can't do it. I'm half dead. But guess what? I heard that something was going on here. So I came. But I can't, I can't, I can't find it in myself to, to give a hallelujah or to give a shout. But that's why it's important for the church to shout for your neighbor. Amen. To provoke that breakthrough. Because believe it or not, believe it or not, I know it depends on us. I know it, I know it, I know it. But believe it or not, there's always somebody that's going to try to pass you by. There's always somebody that's going to come with, with that. That, that selfishness that says, I want to be louder just to be louder. Yeah. I want to praise just to praise. But and then you're going to have that one that really has that anointing. The one that God reveals to them and says, you're going to praise not only for you, but for the person next to you. Yeah. Because there's chains that need to be broken. Yeah. the healing, the delivering breakthrough that I need in my life. I stand in the house of mercy. I am blind in the house of mercy. I am paralyzed in the house of mercy. Powerless, hopeless in the house of mercy. But guess what? I will not leave in the same condition that I came in with. I said I will not leave in the same condition that I came in with. So we can stand in the house of mercy. We can come blind in the house of mercy. We will be paralyzed in the house of mercy. Powerless and hopeless in the house of mercy. But guess what? I will not leave in the same condition that I came in with. I will not leave in the same condition that I came in with. I will remain steadfast in the house of mercy because I came with an expectation. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some of those disabled people were a lot more stronger than us. They knew what they were going after. They wasn't here wasting. They wasn't there wasting time. They were not there wasting time. They went for a blessing. They wanted to be made whole. I get it. They want to get back into into normal functions or whatever it may be. I get it. But they went with an expectation that I'm going to be healed. Verse 3 says here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been impotent for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? We must realize that many receive their blessing a certain way. These scriptures indicate that an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And while everyone was waiting for this certain season to happen to receive their blessing, now comes one greater than an angel that just troubles the waters. But many times our focus is on one thing, and that thing is the only thing that we can fully comprehend. So there's only one thing that we're focused on, and it's the only thing that I know is the routine. It's the same thing that I can only understand. I can't comprehend that Jesus is going to come to my rescue because I'm waiting on the angel. 
That's what I've been doing this whole time. I can only comprehend that I'm here in the house of mercy because an angel is going to descend from the heavens. So when Jesus comes and speaks to me, it's just like, shh. I'm waiting for the angel. I'm waiting for the angel. You wanna wait for I've been in this condition for 38 years. Why are you disturbing me right now? You're not waiting for the angel to get gone. Kind of probably Martin Lawrence for a minute there. I don't know why. But many times our focus is on one thing. And that thing is the only thing that we can fully comprehend. Meaning when Jesus approaches this man that has been in this condition for 38 years, he asked him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to get well? His response is, I have no one to help me into the pool when the waters is troubled. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. This man is not only physically paralyzed, but now I can see that he's mentally paralyzed. His mind cannot comprehend anything else but the current situation that he is in. In other words, he doesn't say, yes, I want to be healed. Jesus, do you want to be made whole? He didn't go, yes. He goes, no, I, I can't. Because every time the angel comes and trouble the water, somebody jumps before me. There's nobody to help me. That's what that's that's his response. His mind cannot comprehend anything else but the current situation that he's in. In other words, he doesn't say yes, I want to be healed. His response to Jesus is, I'm waiting for a certain season to where an angel comes down to trouble the waters, but that's not all. There are others that are in the same condition that I am, meaning waiting for a breakthrough. Disabled people of all types to where every time that I try to reach the water, they get there before me. I see the blind that can't see me get in the water. I'm like that. I see the blind that can't see me in my condition get in the water before me. I see the lame and the weak get in the water. They all just pass by. They all just pass by. They don't want to help me. I see the priest. I see the Levite that see me half dead. But I have no one to help me into the pool. I said I see the priest. I see the Levite that sees me half dead, but I have no one to help me into the pool. And Jesus comes to him just like the Samaritan comes to the man with a compassionate heart, a helping hand, and unlimited concern, and gave up personal comfort, physical energy, and valuable time just to reassure to this man that was paralyzed that his time of waiting was over. Exceed your expectations and realize that your deliverance will look different. Repentance will look different. Your intercessions will look different. Your worship will look different. Your outcry will look different. Your healing will look different. The wait is completely over. Because if we stay stuck, 
waiting to receive it the same way that the next man received it, then that's exactly where we're going to stay stuck. Verse 8 says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Your condition is over. Decree that in the name of Jesus. We will not wait for a certain season. Jesus is in the house of mercy. Jesus is in the building. Jesus comes with a life-changing question, and that is, do you want to be made whole? He will not pass you by. My God will not leave me in the condition that I'm in. Is there anyone that has been feeling like this? You know, these are, these are, this talks about a man being in this condition for 38 years, paralyzed, a physical condition. Imagine if this man had the ability to do something else. The torment that he was possibly receiving mentally, spiritually, to where he thought of doing something, but he couldn't because he was paralyzed. He couldn't move. So I wish I could go and commit suicide or take my life, better said. But now I can't even do that. Sometimes we feel like we're worthless to the point that the enemy puts us in a position that not only physically, but we're mentally paralyzed. But my God will never leave me in that condition that I'm in. Look at the person next to you and say, his grace is significant. Say it again, his grace is significant. He is enough. Jesus is enough. People of God, if there is only one thing that you can take from this message. Let it be to love one another and to take care of one another. The Bible says it is by love that they will know that you are my disciples. You see, when, when the pastor was talking about outside the walls, I love the example that you gave. I love the example that you gave. Because a lot of people think you have to go to a different nation or you have to go somewhere far to Africa. And they'll make the excuses up. I don't got the money to go to Africa. How am I going to go over there? But look, excuse, or, or, or the example, I'm sorry, you got to check, that she gave. She gave an example when she encountered somebody, and in the midst of that conversation, she she developed the gospel to them, and she, she entangled them in, in, in a way that was led by the Holy Spirit so that person can feel her testimony, but the breakthrough that was living in her so they can see and say i want that you want that come with me you don't have to go nowhere far i remember we were doing discipleship classes and one of the things that we learned is that you make disciples while you go while you go while you go to the store, you make a disciple. While you go to work, you make a disciple. While you go to your family cookouts and picnics, you make disciples. 
So I thank you for that. And let's carry the last words of the Good Samaritan as Jesus, leaving us with a word of command. It says, look after him. And when I thought about this, I thought about everybody that was going to listen to this. Just look at, look at the room. You guys look at each other. Take care of each other. You guys always together. You guys. All of us. Look after him. Imagine Jesus saying this to us. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And I go, but how are you going to do that? I told Jesus, but how are you going to do that? You're ready to the cross. How you owe me anything? How you owe me anything, right? It says, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then, it just triggered my mind. And I think that's the last of it. Let me see. Yeah. I told, I told Brother Pop, oh, I'm going to preach for two hours. I'm going to hold them hostage. <laughs> he said, yeah, wait. <laughs> I leave you with Matthew 25, 31, 46, 46, excuse me, that says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on the right but the goats on the left then the king will say to those on the right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the of the what? Thank you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous were answer him saying Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you and he and when excuse me and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will answer them truly I say to you as you did it to one of these least of these brothers you did it to me and that's how I just it just fell in place to where when he says look after him it's like look after him treat him like you would treat me look after him and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have ain't nobody gonna claim Jesus nothing he said I will come down in glory and the love that we embrace to one another when we see that glory for Jesus to say I will reimburse Reimburse what, Jesus? You always gave. You always give. And at the promise, you will give me the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. 
So I'll leave you with that, people of God. I'll leave you with that, church. I'll leave you with that, friends and family, people that are watching. Amen? If we can be on our feet. If we can put some type of worship.